Pastor, I first want to start by thanking you. Pastor told me when he called me to do this, he said, um, do it your way. Do it your way. Well, every, anybody that knows me, when I do it my way, I consider everybody's way. Because I know that all of us learn differently. Some of us learn by hearing. Others learn by seeing. Some of us have to be involved. And we, draw, and we draw pictures in our minds. And so I want you to remember this message. And this is the reason why I'm carrying my burdens. You notice I have a bag. And some of you recognize the motions that are in this bag. Sometimes we carry them so heavy that they weigh us down. They wear us on our shoulder. They wear us on our back. They take over entire body. And all we can do, because many of us don't know how to manage them, or when an emotion is not a normal emotion that you're used to, and it's a very heavy emotion, we mask it. We put on makeup, we look beautiful, we go into our hair, we get the best outfit. And when that doesn't work, we wear a mask. We smile, and that's the mask that we wear. But deep down inside, we're broken. We're hurting. We feel all kinds of emotions. Sometimes we can't even identify what they are. When we're angry, we think we're sad. When we're disgusted, we think we're angry. So for that reason, we, part of the lesson here is I've added in your happenings, in your Calvary happenings, if you look in there, there is a set of emotions listed and the gestures that go with them. I know I'm a little bit dramatic. I work with teenagers. <laughs> and I want you to remember. Well, Every time, I don't know about you, but every time God calls me to deliver a message, he works with me first. And this message Pastor called me on two months ago, and I have been going through a lot for about two years now. Um, but I've been handling it because God made me 
And lucky for me, he made me 75% logical and 25% emotional. And when I thought that that was not good because you're supposed to be balanced, in a crisis, it is the best way to handle things. And God helps you through it. So he called me two, two months ago to give this message. And I have been praying since then. But the last two weeks has been the week that if it wasn't for God, I would have been already knocked down my feet. I'm going to use PowerPoint because I want you to take notes. I don't want you to only remember my voice and the words that come out of me. But I also want you to have something to, um, to go back to. Um, like Pastor said, I've worked with um, different populations um, by, by heart. I'm a teacher. So it's easy for me to do this. When I was thinking about what to name this particular message, um, God showed in my spirit the battle that you just saw between the logic and the emotion. And if you notice, at first, the logic was in control, right? While the emotion was asleep. And just, you know, chilling. And then suddenly, this beautiful sight came about to the eyes of the human being. Now, in this case, it was a woman. In some of our cases, it could be anything. It could be anything we desire. It could be food. It could be a trip. It could be clothes. It could be friends. It doesn't have to be necessarily um, a human being. Whatever it is that we desire, we see it and suddenly our emotions wake up. And if they haven't been awake for a while, they just come out and be impulsive, right? And so when they get impulsive, they don't know how to act. So they're trying to get control and then there's this struggle, right? Well, that's how when you go in through a heavy crisis, emotions go into a battle with, um, with logic. Now, what I find very interesting, but not by accident, is that this transformation series started with the spirit. The transformation of the spirit. And that's simply because we are spirit beings first. So God has to deal with our spirit first. Then we spoke about stress. How our physical being is affected by stress. Everyday stress. Even some stress that we don't even know is stress. Even good things can be very stressful. Okay. Then God spoke to us about the transformation of our minds. Because the mind 
is the field where the emotion and the logic live. So he's taking us from very internal, deep things all the way to the external of ourselves. And that's how he is going to transform the inner us. Isn't God fabulous? Amazing, it's amazing. With this, with this um, message that God put in my heart, you're going to see several things that, um, that you know already. Honestly, you, you, you know already. It's just reminding you and bringing it up to the forefront of your mind in order to be able to manifest your transformation. Now, give me a moment because the devil is a liar. How many of you know that the devil is a liar? Right? You work so hard. You get everything ready and all of a sudden, you know, he, he broke my phone. The devil broke my phone. I was waiting to find out what was it that he was going to mess with. I was waiting. And I actually found what he was, wait- was going to mess with. And it was my phone. Now I don't have a phone. So I have to do other things here. And I don't know why I can't find my notes. But we're going to move on because I have a plan B. <laughs> the next one. The next one, puppy. Okay. I don't know. It's hard for you guys to see, but the question here is who's in control, right? Who's in control of your mind? And I wanted to start with the process of grieving. Oh, my God. I know that's, that's completely crazy because that's the most highest deep emotion. Um. Um, when you grieve, the process of grieving, when you lose something. Now, how many of you know that you could lose something or someone, but not necessarily to death? It's still a loss. It's still a loss. You know, it could be a pet. It could be uh, a friend. It could be a relationship with your siblings. It could even be a relationship with your spouse. Although you're still with your spouse, you can lose that relationship to the end and still be there. Wow, right? And the process of grieving has five stages. It's not the only steps that they are, but they have a framework of five stages that involve, we first go into denial. No, this can't be happening. Nah, it can't be happening to me. can't be happening to us. Everything was great. Then you realize No matter how long you wait until denial, the process can get very long or very short as soon as you wake up that it is happening. It's happening. And you become angry. Become angry. 
then you start to bargain, right? You start to wrestle with your mind and your emotion, and you start to bargain, you know, um, um, maybe if I do these other things, we can get back to how it was. Or maybe we're not supposed to be like that anymore. Now it's going to get better, so let me bargain with this. Let me give in this, let me give in that, let me, let me try my best. And the reality is, is that it's over, Right? It's the person either passed away or the relationship is dissolved. Then you go into a depression. Then you go into a deep depression. Now, depression is interesting, okay? Because sometimes depression, you can see it. It looks sad. It looks sad, Pastor. But it doesn't necessarily have to look like that. Sometimes depression looks by being too busy. Very busy. Things to do. You don't have to think. You don't have to feel. Depression could be by running away. Most people that show a body of sadness and the weight and the gestures are going down. They get to a point where they're not feeling. We think they're feeling sadness. But one of the dangerous things about depression is that it becomes a feeling of indifference. Indifference. Now, the feeling of indifference is very dangerous. And the word warns us about it. It calls it lukewarm. The Bible says that it is better for a man to be cold or to be very warm or hot than to be lukewarm, which is indifferent. Indifferent means you do not feel anything. You don't feel anything at all. And that's still a feeling. And that's hard because it's harder for God to get and penetrate into that heart. And the hardest thing about that feeling is that the person who goes through it is in complete denial. Complete denial. They don't know that they don't know. That is very, very dangerous. The feeling of in difference. And then after all is said and done, you go through the process of acceptance. Well, it is what it is. Let me keep it moving. But it's easier said than done. It's through that process, that framework of depression and acceptance that God can do his transformation. And that's where some of us are. I know that's where I am. So there are, there are specific four things that God wants us today to understand. 
He wants us to understand our emotions. He wants us to understand how to learn to manage them. We can manage them. He has equipped us to manage them. He also wants us specifically to identify those unwanted emotions, those hard, wild ones, and manage them. And he wants to teach us how. How to tame them. And he wants us to learn how to pray about that. Okay? There are four facts. There are four facts on understanding your emotion. The first fact is this. God has emotion. Well, to some of us, that's not an accident, that's not new, that's not... But to, some, to others, it is. Because there are two types of Christian doctrines that people follow. One is that God is an emotional being, and unless I feel him, okay, then he's not there. And the other school of thought is God is not an emotional being. He gives us his principles. And as long as we can go through those principles, we don't need to be feeling anything. And that's not true. That's not true because God made us in his image. God gets angry at sin. God gets frustrated at the things that people do, and especially they do it to his children. God gets happy. God gets satisfied. The Bible always, when it speaks about God's character, it tells you about his heart. And when he talks about heart, he's talking about his emotions. And he's talking about our emotions, the heart. The soul, the mind, the heart. The soul is the will. The mind is the logic. And the emotions are the heart. God is an emotional God. And he made us in his image. He wants us to feel emotion. He wants us to feel joy. He wants us to feel even anger. The word says, be angry, but sin not, right? Well, anger has its pro appropriate space and place. The reason why we need to feel anger is because we need to notice injust. And we need to fight or do something, channel some of those feelings whenever we feel unjust. So you could be angry. You know that that particular, there's a scripture in the Bible that really helped me before I came to Christ as a, as a believer. I didn't think I was worthy. I really didn't think I was worthy. And I was waiting until God did a whole work in me so that I could come to him. That makes a lot of sense, right? So... <laughs> Every time I was invited to go to church or I was invited to be in, in God's presence, I, the first thing that would come into my mind is I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I, I'm waiting until I get perfect. 
person. And then I read a scripture. I read a scripture when Jesus went to the temple and he saw what they were doing, the businessmen were doing around about the temple of God and that they were selling things and doing a lot of different um, um, businesses. And, and he, in his spirit, it was, there was mockery and no respect about the holy place of God. And he got so upset that what did he do? He turned the tables. And I went, oh, that's my God. <laughs> I'm coming to church because I'm turning the tables. I, I really did. I really used to think that because of my heart. I'm, I'm strong-willed, as you can see. I'm, I'm, I pretty, I'm pretty tamed about it, but I am very strong-willed. So when I knew those things about me being very hard and angry and, and, and not liking uh, injustice, I thought that was not godly. So when I saw that scripture, turn the table, I said, I'm going, I'm going to church because I'm going to turn some tables too. <laughs> I'm going to turn some tables too. So God is an emotional God, and he made us in the same way, emotional. He gave us those gifts. There are two extreme, two extremes that we need to avoid. We need to avoid the extreme of being emotional. It's called emotionalism. There's some people that actually believe, really, really, truly believe that if they don't feel the emotion, God is not present. And then this was interesting because the second one is stoic. It's the stoic, stoism. It means feelings aren't important at all. It doesn't mean that you don't feel them. The stoic is the opposite of a person who's very emotional. It is the experience of indifference. There goes that word again. It basically says feelings aren't important. Feelings are not important at all. The only thing that matters is your intellect and your will, your desire and your intelligence. You know what's funny when I was doing this um, research is that the study shows that most of the time people who get married, they get married with opposite personalities. One is very emotional and the other one is very stoic. <laughs> well, the fact is that we need to avoid being any of those two things. That's not healthy. The next thing that is a fact is that God gave us the book of Psalms to understand our emotions. You know, it's interesting because the book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom, so everything that we go through, that is the instructional um, booklet. 
We, we, we often joke that when children are born, they're not born with instructions, just like some of the things that we buy, right, equipment and stuff like that. But they do. It's just that we don't read the booklet. It's called the Bible. Well, the book of Psalms is a book of poetry, short stories, quotes, thoughts, inspired by God that speaks about emotions. They speak about good emotions, and it also speaks about negative emotions. And it teaches us how to maintain and manage those emotions. We see a lot of that in, the, in that book because David was the one that wrote that book. And David display all of his emotions, it was his journal, onto those pages. But we know that they were inspired by God. So whenever you go through some sort of emotional attack or, or you are confused about what type of emotion or what to do with that emotion, go to the book of Psalms. Those are the four facts. God is emotional. He gave us emotion as a gift, okay? Don't be the extreme of, it, of being overly emotional or a stoic. And four, he gave us the book of Psalms to study and to guide us. Number two. Now, we're getting to number two. Why I must learn to manage my emotions. I must learn to manage my emotions, number one. There are four reasons. One is my feelings are often unreliable. How many times haven't we ever thought something or a feeling about somebody and we were wrong? And we sometimes act on those feelings and we were wrong. Number two, I don't want to be manipulated. You don't want to be manipulated by your emotions. Nobody wants emotions to control you, your mood to control you. Number three, you want to please God. And number four, you want to be successful. So let's break it down real quickly in those areas because I want to be able for number one, why we should manage our emotions is because my feelings are often unreliable. We see the book of Proverbs on 14.12 that says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. He's speaking about the things we feel. So your emotions are not dependable. And number two, because I don't want to be manipulated by moods, if you don't control your emotions, your emotions will control you. That's manipulating. They would tell you how to feel. They would tell you what, what to think. They would drive you astray away from God. Have you ever felt like 
you knew that you had things to do, real important things, either in the house, at the job, for a friend, for yourself. But instead, your feeling, it didn't make you feel like doing it after you committed yourself to do them. And you gave in. You stayed in bed. You went and did something else that you felt like doing at the moment. It will haunt you. And it would, especially when the things that we buy, sometimes we're, I know that when I get depressed or when I get emotional, when I get, I want to go shopping. How many, how many of you want to do that? I want to go shopping. Yeah, something about shopping makes you feel good, right? Right. Retail therapy, they call it? Well, you know, I used to give in to that a lot. You know, I praise God that lately I've been more wiser than that, but maybe because I don't have no money. But <laughs> maybe because I don't have the money. No, but really, I remember... I remember there was this alligator, beautiful purse. Oh my God, what a beauty. It was always displayed on a window that I had to pass by every day. And I would stop there, I was about in my 20s. I would stop there and I would just look at her and she, would, she was beautiful, alligator, and she had that like old-fashioned kind of grandma um, um, trunk look and I could see myself with a nice pair of alligator shoes, you know, wearing it and I go into the store and we're talking about years later, right? Uh, I go into the store, and I find out that it's about $150. Now, that was back in 1980, in the 80s. $150 was like $300 today, right, Pastor? Or more, right? So I would go and look at her every day. Oh, my God, look at her every day. And every time I got paid, I would take some money and put it away and look at her they didn't have cell phones back then. If not, I would have taken a picture of her and I would have had her on my refrigerator. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, anyway, I got her. I got her. Oh, my God. She was so beautiful. She was too beautiful to just wear every day. So guess where she wound up? In the closet. <laughs> The feeling was gone. I no longer desired her. That was a thing. That was an object. What do we do with relationships? We fall in love or in like or in something and we fall. We really fall. I mean, it gives you the energy and the motivation to do, to move the mountain. Love. Until one of you is not feeling it. Until one of you is not feeling it anymore. 
So what do you do there? You give up until, you know, you give up because you don't feel like it. Okay? You get married and then now you give up because you don't feel like it. You have children and you stop working or you, because you don't feel like going to work because now you have to maintain your children. You don't feel like it. The pocketbook can stay in the closet, but not the heart of people. That's not God's desire. Actually, he gets very emotional when we do that to one another. Sorry. But um, the lion in me came out. <laughs> the third one, because I want to please God. Yeah. All of us have a desire to please God. God put that in our hearts. He put a specific area in our heart that only he fits. So we try to fill it up with relationships. We try to fill it up with lust. We try to fill it up with other desires. We try to fill it up with um, alcohol. We probably try to fill it up with drugs. We try to fill it up with work, work. It's also bad, too much work. But it doesn't belong. None of those things fit. That's like putting a, a square peg in a round hole. Because it belongs to God. That's why we're here. We're kind of drawn. And that's him calling us. So we want to please God. In Romans 8, 6 through 8... God tells us and reminds us to be controlled by human nature results in death. Look, I didn't make that up. That's not Mickey speaking. But to be controlled by the spirit results in life and peace. God's calling to fill in that hole where he belongs, that he made that special place in our hearts for himself so that he can dwell there and he could be the manager of our souls and our emotions. We also want to be successful. You want to be successful, right? You don't want to be wasting time. Ever see a, a, a little dog chasing his tail? You know, sometimes in the spirit, that's what we're doing with our lives, just chasing our tail because we are not changing. We're so stuck in doing the, the same things the same way but looking for other results. That's insanity. You know that, right? Do you know how to manage your moods? Do you know how to deal with how you feel? Do you even know how to control them or do you know how to name them? Every time I ask this question, I teach them. Oh, let me tell you a little testimony. Um, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, God called me to do this series. I work at a school. And I like working with families, um, ultimately, to raise up young people, teenagers. 
So I, I was touched to teach a course on growth mindset. Now, when God calls me to do these things, he hasn't, he, I don't know about it. I have to do the research to be able and experience it to be able to follow it. But part of that series included emotional intelligence a year and a half ago. You think it's an accident that God called me to give this message today? He's been preparing me for a very, very long time. Because I have had to study the brain and the mind and the emotion in order to give those courses. So two weeks ago, I was in entering the series part two on the emotional intelligence. And I asked this question to all the students there, about 25 adult parents. What do you feel? Describe with one word. What are you feeling right now? One word. 75% of them did not give me an emotional word. They gave me a thinking word or a drive. They could not describe their emotion. Why? Because we don't have a vocabulary. We have been taught to put our emotions to the side. When we were a kid and we would cry, don't be crying, I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> Boys, men don't cry. What you being so emotional about? Is that time of month? You know, these messages that we're getting is like we don't have the right to, 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 to feel. We don't have the right to feel. We don't give ourselves permission because society doesn't allow us to recognize that feelings is a gift from God. So we don't have a vocabulary. That's why I put those little pictures um, in, your, in your happenings, because although this is very, very limited, although this is very, very limited, it's a starter. If you only knew five words to describe your emotion, today you're learning about 30 through this. And I really encourage you to look, to look into it more to describe your emotion. Because part of this lesson and what God is calling us to do for transformation is to name it. Name it. You can't name it if you don't know what it is. You can't name it if you don't have a word for it. So there we are in, in section number three, how to manage an unwanted feeling. So how do you do that? You name it. You challenge it. You tame it. 
Now let's talk about naming it. We already pretty much segued there. When you're naming it, you got to identify specifically what the emotion is. It can't be vague. Oh, I feel sad. No. Why do I feel sad? Why do I feel sad? Do I feel sad because I lost a dear friend? Do I feel sad because I was, I was told that my outfit was not appropriate? Why do I feel sad? Am I sad or am I fearful? Am I worried? What is it? In Psalms 55, 2, God tells us through David's life, my thoughts are restless and I'm confused. So that's David talking to, to God. And what David is showing inspired by God, because God wouldn't have given it there as an instruction for us, is that we are, it's okay for us to be confused. It's okay to be stressed. It's okay to, to feel restless. It's not okay to stay there. It's not okay to stay there. Did you know that the longer you take a negative emotion and you entertain it and entertain it and entertain it, the deeper the root gets and the harder it is to yank out? It was never meant for you to stay there. You have to ask yourself this question when you're going to name it. What am I really feeling? Because what you think you're feeling is often not the real feeling. Sometimes you think, I'm feeling a little down today. I'm feeling a little discouraged. I've got the blues. I'm a little distressed. You think the problem is depression. But it, it's deeper than that. You need to ask, what's making me depressed? You look a little deeper. I've got criticized at work and I didn't like it. Or I just got laid off. Or an expect expectation didn't happen the way I expected it to happen. I was expecting something and it didn't happen. You need to look and find disappointment or find the worry. Sometimes it's even fear. Sometimes it is suppressed or put down that it's covering the feeling anger. So you would think that you're feeling sad or depressed, you're really angry. You have to ask yourself, what are the triggers? What is triggering this? What is triggering this emotion? 
what when it what does it feel like to me what does it sound like to me when i was a little girl my father and i were inseparable i was the first child the first daughter and some of you have heard this story, but my father and I were inseparable. The first four years, he was the one that would take care of me all day while my mother went to school. And at night, he would work. And so I would wait for my father at the windowsill. And he would get home, and I would run to him, and he would have this beautiful bag full of milk and bread and taffy. And when I saw the taffies, it wasn't the taffies that I loved. It was the game that my father and I would play. He would put the taffy in his hands, and he would hide his hand behind, and I would have to guess what color the taffy was. Well, there was a lot of connections between my father and I for years. But as I got older, my, my father had to work two or three jobs, but he wouldn't keep his word most of the time. So after church, he would tell us that he would go and pick us up to take us to the movies or to do something, but I didn't care about that. I just wanted to be with my dad. So I would sit in the windowsill and wait. I was 13 years old. I was 14 years old. I sit there at 15 years old, and my daddy wouldn't come home, at least not when he would say. Sitting in the windowsill brought a lot of anxiety, a lot of feelings, a lot of disappointments in my life. So as I get older, thought I got over it, knew where my daddy was. He was just doing his thing. But whenever somebody that's important to me keeps me waiting, those feelings come back. It triggers those feelings of anxiety. I get this picture of the, of the girl in the windowsill just waiting. Ask yourself, what's triggering those emotions. Could it be something from the past? Because it, let me tell you, it hasn't been easy because I didn't know that that was what was going on. And whenever my husband would come tell me he's waiting, uh, that he's going to come pick me up and I'm waiting for half an hour, by the time he gets to me, I'm already crazy. <laughs> I'm already crazy. And it wasn't until I sat down and said, this is not me. What's going on? So, folks, if somebody ever tells you, look, this is a trigger, don't be pressing them buttons. Don't be pressing them buttons. God is dealing with us little by little, cleaning them out. But meanwhile, every time you go and press that button, you're opening that womb again. You're opening up that womb again. Know your triggers. 
Write this down. Escríbelo. I can't tame it until I name it. I can't tame it until I name it. I can't solve the problem. I can't identify the issue until I find out exactly what it is that I am feeling and why I'm feeling it. Then challenge it. You challenge what your feelings. You don't just automatically accept your feelings. You challenge them by asking these questions. Are these feelings or this feeling that is bad really a bad feeling? Or even the good feeling. Is this good feeling really a good feeling? Are these things really as good as I feel they are? Are these things really as bad as I feel they are? Challenge it. David, who wrote many of the Psalms, often asks God to challenge his emotions. Ask God. He made us. He made you. He can tell you. Just say this. God, I don't know what, my, what I'm feeling. I don't know where it came, it came from. But help me. That's all. That's all it takes, wherever you are. God, I don't know what these emotions are. I don't know why I'm feeling this. Help me. The Bible says in Psalms 26.6, Lord, cross-examine me. Test my motives and my affections. What are your affections? Your emotions. Test my motives, my feelings, my affections, my emotions. Or, if that doesn't work for you, get a friend, somebody that you respect, somebody that loves you. And allow them to challenge you. Allow them to ask you these questions. So you go over to them, you go, oh, I think I'm in love. Oh my God, I think I'm in love. And they go, Really? Why? Why do you think that? What kind of feeling are you feeling? Is, the, is it as good as you feel it is? Have them help you challenge your mood. You'll be surprised. Job had a friend. In Job 15, 12, you see where his friend was asking, why has your heart carried you away? Why do your eyes flash? He's actually saying, why are you so angry? problem is that we don't want to talk to our friend and we don't want to allow our friends to 
to see what we're feeling. We really need each other to help that. Ask these three questions to yourself. What's the real reason that I'm feeling this? Is it true? Is what I'm feeling helping me or hurting me? What's the real reason I am feeling this? Is it true? Is what I'm feeling helping me or hurting me? You got to name it. Here's what my feeling is. You got to find the trigger, what's causing it. Then you got to challenge it. Then you got to find out if it's true. And then you have to ask God to help you. I lost it. Um, find it for me. Two years ago, I got certified as a facilitator for this really interesting um, topic called Mind in the Making. Mind in the Making. And Mind in the Making is a study, and this is evidence-based that all that God has put in us, all that we need is inside of us. So what it talks about is how God, well, they don't talk about God, but I put God in there. These are the sciences, but I know it's God, right? God made our brain, our mind, in such a way on the front of the mind right, the lobe that carries executive functions. It's almost like a manager, the manager of your mind. The manager of your mind, which is the executive functions, help you develop as a human being the seven essential life skills that a human being needs to survive and to be successful. And they prove it with babies. From the first time the baby comes out, they start to test that the baby has ways in which they can regulate themselves, calm their emotions, and carry on these skills. And what we have to know is how to develop them to be stronger. So they are in you. Among those skills, let me, I know that I'm, I got no time, but this is, it's closing with this because you guys need to know, you need to know that you need to know. This is, you have the ability, say I have the ability to do this. Focus and self-control. Take perspective of what other people are feeling or what's going on in, of, in your surrounding. Taking perspective. You have the ability to communicate. 
You have the ability to make connections. You have the ability for critical thinking, which turns to creative thinking. You have the ability to take challenges. And you have the ability to self-direct engaged learning, which means you can do this. You can do this. We can do this. I can do this. And the last thing, and then we pray, is channel it. If you can't change your emotion, cha channel it. And what I mean by channeling it is if it's an angry emotion that is triggered by unjust, go out and fight the cause. If it has to do with a broken heart, channel those emotions by helping other people who are broken hearted. Whatever the mood is, whatever the feeling is, if you can't change it, channel it. How do you think I have been able to survive? It's been hard. Broken heart after broken heart after broken heart. Got my bachelor's degree got my master's degree, <laughs> got my other master's degree, got my PhD, got to serve God, been in the house helping people, in my job, I lift up those spirits, I teach them about how to manage their emotions and their hearts, channel it, channel it until God comes. And gives you your blessing. And he will. He'll give you your blessing through them. He'll give you your blessing through your service. Just don't get too busy. Because you really have to have a balance. Where your emotions rest. Because sometimes when, we're not, when we haven't rested. That's when your emotions pop up all crazy. But remember. Name it. Challenge it. Tame it. Change it. If you can't change it, channel it. And let's pray. This is a specific prayer. I loved it from the studies. And that's what I'm going to pray for all of us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are an emotional God. I thank you that you gave us the ability to feel that we're not robots, that we're not unfeeling, uncaring, that we can experience both highs and lows in life. Help us. To avoid the extreme of emotionalism. And all that matters is how I feel. Or stoicism. 
that all that matters is that feelings are not important and the intellect is more important. Thank you for the book of Psalms that shows us that every emotion is understood by you and that you can give us the power to change it or channel it. Now you pray. Say, Lord, I know that my feelings are often unreliable. I don't want to build my life on feelings. I want to build my life on your truth. I want to be manip- I don't want to be manipulated by people. I don't want to be manipulated by Satan. I don't even want to be manipulated by my old old nature. But I want to be self-controlled and alert. More than that, Lord, I want to please you. I want to do the things that please you. I want you to be the Lord of my emotions. I want to succeed in life by being controlled by your will, not my feelings. So help me to practice what I have just learned this week. When I start to get upset, when I feel overwhelmed by very strong emotions, help me name it. Help me figure it out. What am I really feeling? What's triggering? What triggered me and why am I feeling this way? You've said in your word that wisdom gives a man practice. Help me to understand my emotions. Where they come from. Then Lord, help me to challenge my emotions. Not to automatically accept them as a gospel of truth. But to ask, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it holding on to this emotion going to get me the results that I need? Help me to realize the real reason that I feel what I'm feeling. And to challenge my emotions and not to just automatically accept them. Then help me to change or channel what needs to be changed. And channel what could be used for good. Dear God. Beginning right now. I'm asking you to fill in. With your whole. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want my life to be filled with love. And patience. Self-control. And not hate. With peace and not chaos. With joy and not sorrow. Lord, I want to be kind. Fill me with your goodness. Fill me with your faith. Fill me with your gentleness. Fill me with your self-control. Help me to develop the habit 
of asking you to fill me moment by moment, day by day. Then, Lord, most of all, I ask you to help me to manage my mouth. May I learn to put your words in my mouth and to speak the word of truth. Not to allow my emotions to come out of my mouth where other people are hurt. Lord, let my mouth only speak truth. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen and an amen. Love you, Lord. Thank you.